You know what I hate? What? The news. Oh, It's depressing you. as fuck. Of course. I hate it. And yet I can't stop listening to it. Need to stay informed, but sure. it stresses me out. So what do you do? Well, maybe check out a weekly news podcast that'll keep you informed, but doesn't take itself too seriously. Mm. How about that? Subscribe to Fake the Nation, an Earwolf podcast hosted by comedian Nagin Farsad. Every Thursday, Nagin invites her favorite comedians, writers, policy buffs. Uh, they dish on the news of the week. Uh-huh. You'll hear from uh, from people like Baratunde Thurston, who is a genius. John saying also a genius. Judy Gold, who we're trying to get on the show because she's a genius. Judy. And John Lovett from uh, Pod Save America. Also who, trying to get him on the show. You know, to watch this space. You just <laughs> never know. The conversations are loose-lipped, insightful, and smart. Uh, so you'll keep up with current events and you'll laugh through the pain. Oh, I need that so badly. Find Fake the Nation on Stitcher, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. New episodes drop every Thursday just in time for your commute home. Hey guys, Matt McConkey here. Just a quick and painful note before we start the show. Yes, I am doing okay. No, I did not see this coming. Yes, I did just release a similar statement on the Bitch Sesh feed. I know a lot of you listen to that show as well, but I've got a lot to say on the matter. The matter, of course, being the divorce of Jennifer Aniston and Justin Throw. And uh, I just want to thank you guys for reaching out to me. All of your support, all of your love, it means the world. You know, Dave Holmes, not to name drop, but he texted me and he said to me, hey, Matt, look for the helpers. And I thought, you know who our helpers are? It's it's uh, it's our audience. It's, it's the community of our podcast. Um, you guys have have really lifted me up. You've loved me and accepted me in spite of me being a, 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 a queer and a weirdo and 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 not that great of a podcast host, frankly, and and an obsessive Jennifer Aniston fan, you know, to the point of concern. You guys have have accepted me in spite of all of that, or maybe because of it. And so, uh, I just I I, I want to really really uh, express my gratitude to you. And uh, still processing this in a big way, but I will uh, leave you with one quote from Jen herself. There are no regrets in life, just lessons. Thank you and enjoy the show. That's the Olympics theme song. Is it? USA, USA. No, it's the Jurassic Park theme song. Okay, all right. Okay. Close okay. enough. Well, yay! America! USA! Or dinosaurs! Are or you American dinosaurs. watching religiously? Where are you I'm, Yeah, I'm watching a good amount. I mean, it's on a lot. I'll say sure. that. I'll say that. Um, yeah, I, there's an Olympic channel. Uh-huh. Like there's NBC yeah. and they do their coverage, but then there's a, a full Olympic channel, which I think it's NBC sports until it's Olympics yeah. and then it's the Olympic channel. And so I've had that on expecting there to be action and it's all like mournful, slow-mo, like mm. montages of things or like long explanations of what the luge is and whatever. And it's really, it's not like there aren't any live events. Right. There are no stand-ups from like a sportscaster or anything. Like it's just really it looks like the the Apple TV screensaver, Ew. basically. That's not like what it's you so want. it's so heavy and slow and plotting that like Ben passed through and was like, did the Olympics die? <laughs> like is this are we watching the funeral? Um but I've been I have been watching a little bit here and there, you know, the the primetime events. Yeah. Taping Ooh. the shit out of it. And what are your go-tos? My go-tos. I do love a luge. 
Yeah. I really do love a luge. And that, uh, whatever the fuck his name is, the uh, the American luge guy. Mm-hmm. You, know, know, I know. you know. Madster, I know. Mad, Madster. There's a bunch of Z's in his name. Okay. Um, but the, the point is, he's hot as hell. Yeah. Oh, my God. He's great. Have you seen him? Nope. Okay. All right. I'm nope. going to look this motherfucker up. Um, he is super duper handsome. I believe you. And, uh, and just like really charming and great and whatever. So, so I'm watching that. I mean, that's honestly like my rooting interest in any sport is like who can I perv on like yeah. while, while watching. So the bobsled team, mm-hmm. certainly Gus Kenworthy, Adam Rippon. Adam Rippon. Now that is it one, Rip on? I know I who he is. I actually don't even know how to say his name. He's the, the, the figure, he's like the first out gay figure skater, as, yeah. as I'm sure you know. Shocking and that they're that they're not all out. But it is a little. Here's here he is. Here's Chris Mads. I'm looking at a loser. You're looking at a luge man. Okay, Illusion. I, I get it. I don't yeah, think I mean, it's literally like you can see the outline of his penis. In, yeah. in his uniform. I in mean, his uniform. Shocking. Yeah. No Dana cup necessary to, for a loser. I don't by the think. way, happy birthday to our producer Dana Wickens. Dana Wickens. She is under thirty. Just brought her uh, some gluten free Susie cakes. Yep. Uh, she threw them in the trash. Basically, <laughs> yeah. Denied yep. immediately, but well, you know, thought that counts. Um, anyway, we're celebrating her, but we're also celebrating America. We're celebrating Adam Rippin. Yep. We're celebrating yep. that guy's penis outline. Uh-huh. It's all pretty great. Um, yeah. So I mean, it's there. You know, it's it's the season, and I get real excited, and I mean to watch the opening ceremony, and then I just never do because that shit is four hours long, it's, and it's never it never goes away, it never quite goes away. Um, thrilled for Adam, for, thr- thrilled for like a, a uh, an out gay medalist. Yes. I think that's a great thing. Yes. Richard Lawson, our our guest in in, uh, in this week's episode, wrote a beautiful piece in Vanity Fair about what it means to see yourself reflected and and what it is. He has a line in it that I'm going to butcher, but. The like to be a boy who yeah. who gravitates toward the more delicate things in a rough world. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. This is a little bit how some of us find each other in youth, mm-hmm. and so to have somebody who is like living proudly and openly as a, as a gay person is very exciting. Yeah, and he talks about like watching him and how he it's it's that bittersweet. Like again, I'm going to butcher it, but um, being caught in between like. Do I want to be with that person or do I want to be that person? Yes. I don't know. Maybe both. Yeah. And I think that that's how a lot of people feel watching Adam Rippon. Yeah. And especially I, seeing him clap back at uh, Mike Pence and sure. d- uh, shut him down on sure. Twitter so beautifully. Yeah. That is all gorgeous. Yeah. I, I do like what he has to say to Mike Pence. But I will say this. Um, the the clapping back just to in general to, mm-hmm. to a homophobic world mm-hmm. and to a world that is rooting against him is all like – it's it's easy to overdo it, and he's right on the borderline of overdoing. Yeah, there there's just moments like that. He held up a thing that's you know, NBC gives every you know athlete like I wouldn't be here at the Olympics without. And then he wrote in my haters, <laughs> and it's like that's funny and everything. And then there was something like you know to all the people who are hitting me up on Twitter saying they hope I fail, like yeah, you know I'm yeah. not going to. And and the last line is like because I'm a beautiful fierce glamazon diva princess who's ready for the runway ready or something. For the runway, that's all, right. all gorgeous, yes, all beautifully yes. written and so great. But another thing to do is just fucking succeed. Yeah. You know what I mean? And he's doing and not, that too. He's doing that too. But you can also give those people zero oxygen yeah. just by succeeding and leaving them behind. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I know that we live in a clapback culture and you got to have a quip at the ready and you got to, you know, you got to have your, your housewives line when you turn around your gown <laughs> and right. whatever. It's like, the, that's not ice, that's diamonds or whatever the fuck. Uh-huh. You got to have all Very that. Good, Dave. Thanks. Well, I've seen it a couple of times now. Um, but I, but I also, I also feel like that can be overdone and leave everybody feeling just a little bit gross. Yeah. So we're, we're, we're not the there border. yet. We're at the borderline. We're still loving you, Adam Rippon. No, we're still loving you. But it's like your passport is out because you are at the border. You are right. about to go through customs and go into that gross area. Totally. Yeah. So By just, the way, whatever. how was Dua Lipa? Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> all right. Um, it was great. It was really, really yeah. great. Um, first of all, it was the first time I had been among like the youth of America in a very long time. Yeah, what because it was a, it was fully a pop music concert. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it was. It, there were people. I mean, of course, there were there was every gay man in in Los Angeles yeah. except for you and Michael. But it was also like people who heard her on. I don't even know the name of the top forty stations. Weird. C one hundred. Yeah. Kiss one, kiss one. Well, I don't know. And I don't think that they're listening to stations either. I hate to break it to you. I mean, but maybe they are. Maybe. I mean, I think, yeah, I think there are people who just, you know, whatever, have on the radio and they're in the carpool going to school. I don't even know if any of these things exist. <laughs> the point is there were a lot of like teenagers and people in their early twenties and I hadn't been around them in a really long time. It's weird, right? It's a little strange. Now I had a perfect, Ben and I had a perfect, um, like bird's eye view. Uh, because I did like reach out to the publicist because I have written about her a few times. And I was like, you know, I never, I never do these things, but this, if I'm ever going to do these things, Mm -hmm. it's for Dua Lipa. I've been singing her praises for months now. And, uh, and she's playing at the, you know, at the Palladium and just like, you know, whatever. I, I'm going to, I'm going to pull the strings. So I pulled some strings. We got a table up and in the balcony, like right, you know, like rad. Yeah. Now it wasn't free drinks. Okay. Which we learned after paying like you $150 for drinks. But the uh, option to sit down. The option to sit down, which is everything. Yes. But also the option to look over a massive crowd of young people, which by the way, now just looks like a sea of, of smartphones. Like it's literally everybody barely moves their shoulders, smartphone up in the air. So it's just it's just a sea of glowing rectangles yeah. and like bodies that aren't quite moving. There, there are little pockets here and there of dancers, but generally speaking, they didn't move until the encore, which was, spoiler alert, be the one into new rules. Ah. I mean, the, the place went fucking Wait until off. the encore to do new rules? Yeah. Bones. Very last thing. Very last thing. Let me tell you this also. She took the stage at about 9.07. Uh, 10 o'clock, house lights up. Oh, oh. Yeah. Okay, sure. And it was like, okay, I didn't feel robbed at all, but it was a very short show. And uh, and then it was like, oh, wait a minute, you did all your songs. Right, yeah, not not the biggest body of work to exactly. draw from. She's yeah. brand new. Yes. She's guesting on a lot of tracks, and I don't know what the protocol is. If it's like this producer featuring Dua Lipa, then is that hers, is right, that right, hers right. to sing mm-hmm. when she does a show? I don't know yet. But she, uh, yeah, it was less than an hour, but I got everything that I wanted. Um, and then there was an after party, and we stayed for the oh, after party, right? Oh because we got, we got, I mean, I don't want to brag about this stuff, but we did, we did get that special wristband. Mm. And so I was very excited to, to have an audience yeah. with Ms. Lipa. What? Um, but here's what happened. Um, it was just all like industry types uh-huh. and we all continued to pay money for drinks because mm-hmm. uh, it sounds like, I mean, even though it was an after party, it was still like you still have to go to the bar and like give them your credit card and pay for drinks. Okay. And, uh, and then like one by one, people started to leave. And then a woman in like gorilla fur with two massive security guards like blew through the crowd and made a beeline for – the backstage door. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, and Ben was like, that's Katy Perry. <gasps> so, and I was like, okay, well, that's interesting. And in my head, I was like, oh my God, Katy Perry thinks she's like going in to do like, <laughs> yeah, you know. Bestow something upon yes, the youth. Yeah. yeah, to do like a regal visit mm-hmm. and, you know, yeah, confer upon her the kiss of approval uh-huh. or something. And uh, what I didn't know, which I found out on Twitter later because they are on Instagram, they, they did a picture on Instagram for the next day. Uh, Dua Lipa got on stage with Katy Perry when she was 15, when she was like a young YouTube star, and Katy Perry played London. Dua got on stage and did a duet with her, and Katy was like, you're going places. Oh, cute. Uh, Yeah, and so now she has indeed gone places. What I hope didn't happen is Katy Perry saying to Dua, do broad comedy in your videos. (laughs) You know what I mean? Just, you're funny, you're goofy, lean into it. (laughs) Yeah. Be fun, make your videos 12 minutes long. Um, Make sure you get into a feud oh, with a massive pop star that absolutely. lasts for decades. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Pull as many goofy faces for a camera as you possibly can. Uh-huh. Um, that's what I hope don't happen. But, but who knows? Who knows? How was your wow. week? Oh, um, God, much less exciting, much well, less Hollywoody than yours. I know. It's pretty glam. I mean, I don't know what else happened. I mean, dra- Drag Race, I'm mm-hmm. still uh, riveted by that. Mm-hmm. Justice for Kennedy. Uh, I'm very happy about what happened with, with Milk, I'm sorry to say. Yeah. He does I th- represent to me the worst of millennials in a way. Okay, I explain. say this gently because I'd love to also have him on the show. Sure. But- he Just, will remember the, that you said that. <laughs> He's definitely listening to every episode. And Absolutely. Yeah. Um, He's keeping a list of grievances. I, I mean, it's the it's the, the that 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 millennial thing of kind of like not fully putting the work in but wanting all of the accolades. Sure. You know, and um <clears throat> I think he kind of embodies that, I uh-huh. hate to say. Okay. Oh, God. Interesting aesthetic, but also at the same time, I still don't know who he is. No. Yeah. As, um, as in either form, I don't really know who he is. And I don't know who, like now that Thorgy is gone, hmm. I don't know who I'm rooting for. It might be Ben Delacrim. Not not to be basic, but it might be. Well, Ben Ben in drag is is just such a winner. It's incredible. Yeah. It's such yeah. a star. Ben out of drag? Or... I sometimes wonder, has John Early seen Ben's testimonials and is he basing some of his characters on that? Uh-huh. These are just things that cross my mind. Okay. I'm not, you know, it's not When, a when you're just theory. like compiling a list of who to alienate and never have on the show, <laughs> are these things that cross your oh, mind? Oh, God. I know. The list is just getting shorter and shorter of-, of um, And you know what? Approach, Fuck Andy Cohen. No, no, oh, kidding. I'm never edit that out, Ryan. <laughs> um no, I, I, I uh, you know what? I just want to, by the way, have you seen the new Queer Eye? Yes. Uh, a couple of episodes. It's yeah. great. It is so good, Matt. Well, part of the reason I, I mean, I, I want to actually talk about it, but part of the reason I brought it up is that I'm like, can they do something with these queens when they're out of drag? Like, I just love to yes. get a little bit of an upgrade. And their testimonials, and I know it's kind of like, it doesn't really matter what, uh, and I'm not expecting them to give us like male fashion, uh-huh. but it's like, just upgrade your basics a sure. little bit. And, and, you don't and, need you to wear to be, a jughead crown. You don't need to wear a jughead crown ever. And I, I, yeah, I don't want to alienate more, but we can just push a little further in that direction, I think, towards yes. something a little more contemporary. Yeah. And I, I say this as someone who dresses like a basic bitch, and I'm very comfortable with that. Um, I love the new Queer Eye. The Queer Eye is great. I love it so much. I And you know what? I mean, it's... It's edited beautifully. The stories are really compelling. Mm-hmm. They're super emotional. I've gotten like weepy yes. during each one that I've seen. Yes. But you know what? Each five, all five of those guys individually is extremely sexy. 
Yeah. You know, it seemed like the first time around they tried really hard to make everybody palatable. Mm-hmm. And so it was just sort of five like, you know, handsome, yeah. but like cookie cutter, super non-threatening guys. Mm-hmm. And it's not like – you know, it's not like they're Tom of Finland fucking drawings or whatever these guys, yeah. but they're like, they're sexy. For sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they're, they're like, it, it seems like their sexuality is more infused into their being. Yeah. You know, and they don't have to, uh, to shy away from that. Yeah. That Anthony feel, is fucking hot. He's the food and wine, the food guy, and wine yeah. guy. I am sad that Jonathan is such a star now because uh-huh. a lot of our, our friends know him and I think knew him when he was just like a hairdresser. Yeah, in town. I've known him I, for a hundred years. I, 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 I don't, but I now think I missed the boat to simply go oh, in and get a haircut right. from him and get, that may be you true. know, I, I want that experience. Yeah. Oh, it's that, a good one. It's a real good one. I mean, oh God, he is, he is an absolute delight. That Has guy. he ever gotten his hands on the, the oh, yeah, signature yeah. locks? Oh yeah. 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 Oh yeah. He guided me in, uh, yeah. He, he took me through a transition. Period. Oh, really? What, yes, he what, did. What were you before? When I was just growing it, I, like I, I kept it very short for a long time, and then I kind of tried to grow it out. And he definitely gave me the guidance that I needed. Wow. Yep. Yeah. Well, he is. Uh, he is a fucking master. Hats off to Jonathan hats for what Jonathan. I see before me. Thank you so much. Watch Queer Eye if you aren't. Yes, uh, folks. Our guest today is an author, uh, an inspiration. Yes. Uh, a little rascal, <laughs> a little scamp, a little scamp. Uh, one of the uh, one of the uh, maybe the chairs of gay Twitter, I would say. Yeah, I would say so. He's definitely um, a, a senior member of uh-huh. that cabal. Yeah, um, he's definitely on some vicious like group text oh, chains that I, like it's best for us not to know the I content. I could of those never things. be part of them. I know. Terrifying. Too much. Um, but uh, I but love yeah. him, and I love this interview. I'm very excited for people to hear it. Mm-hmm. And uh, also, people should read his uh, Vanity Fair for article about Adam Rippon. Uh-huh. And his book, All We Can Do Is Wait. Uh, Richard Lawson It's coming up after the break. And we're back with Richard Lawson. Hi, Richard. Hello. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. I'm happy to be here. I, I just was saying to Matt before we started recording that um, it's a bit being at Earwolf is a bit like that episode of The Simpsons when Bart goes to the Mad Magazine offices. Uh-huh. Like I just met Paul F. Tompkins and yeah. he was like in the hallway and it just it's it's pretty cool. I know. I love just hanging around here. Um, you never know who you're going to see. That's right. If these walls could talk, I tell you, you're bringing some New York to the proceedings. You're bringing some Buffalo plaid. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. You I know, I got to represent a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. I'm very hot when I go outside, but sure. um, you know, I'll suffer for style. I guess that's exactly. And right. you're headed from here to to Sundance. Sundance, yeah, which presented a really interesting packing problem. Yeah. yeah so I guess my strategy was just to layer. I'm going to be too hot here and too cold there. Exactly. So I can't win. But you're going to be inside. Yeah, I'll be watching movies. He'll which, be watching you know, movies. It's nice. He'll be going to parties. Yeah. He'll yeah. be drinking sponsored beverages. At the Chase Sapphire Lounge or the yeah. Acura Lounge Absolutely. or the American Express Lounge or yeah. whatever. Yeah. 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 Free drinks, but only drinks that evolve Alize or something right. like that. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Hypnotique is the sponsor Hypnotique. of this party. Hypnotique. I feel like oh. the Richard Lawson Sundance experience must be a dream come true because everyone, I mean, they, they you're, 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 an, you're an important voice at this event, especially. Um, I will tell you that at Sundance is the probably the one time per year that I do the cut to the front of the line and say, "Hi, I'm from Vanity Fair. Can I can, yeah. I, can I get into this party?" Uh, yeah, I should hope and so. And I, you yeah. know what? I don't feel bad about it. I mean, I don't I don't do that in my regular life. But right. there, you know, it, it's such a scene. This but the first weekend of Sundance in particular, like that's when all the kind of RV stay like people from LA come with all their winter wear, wear that they never otherwise wear, sure. and they don't. They're not skiing. They're not watching movies. They're just there to be there. Uh-huh. So I don't mind cutting ahead of those people. No, and if you don't cut, you don't get in. Well, exactly. Yeah. And then you're just standing you, out in the you snow. You literally have a job to do. You yeah. got to get in there. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Richard, what are you watching lately? 
What does one watch? What did you watch on the flight over? Um, I, I've been watching uh, the Gianni Versace show, the American Crime Story, oh. because I just filed a review for that, um, which I'm sure will be up on the website by the time this airs. Um, and I really liked it. Uh, yeah. It's a really tricky kind of thing because – Unlike the People versus OJ, which had so much timely stuff to talk about race and the justice system and all that, the Versace story and the Andrew Kananen story, who's the, the, the guy who killed him, uh, it's a little bit more specific. And so they have to kind of figure out how to make it more topical. Uh-huh. And what they decided to do essentially was make it this kind of – I think the phrase I use in the review is like a taxonomy of gay tragedy. Like uh-huh. mm-hmm. it talks about don't ask, don't tell. It talks about AIDS. It talks about the closet. Like – um, and it's really ambitious that they're kind of trying to do this huge summation of the gay experience in the 90s um, through the lens of this murderer. Yeah. But I think they pull it off. Like, yeah. It's, I, mean, I think it's going to be really polarizing, um, but I, I'm, I'm kind of on the pro side at the moment. I okay. mean, Donatella is not happy about it, right? The whole family's not happy about it because yeah. they're basing it off of Maureen Orth's book, uh, Vulgar, Vulgar Favors. And, and one of the things in that book is it, it – I don't know if it really intimates or implies that Versace was HIV positive when he was killed and the family is like, no, that's not true. And so there are a lot of things uh, like l- creative license, let's say, that, that the show and the book takes uh-huh. um, that the Versace family is not happy about. But, yeah. um, you know, I'm happy about Ricky Martin being back. And he's sure. really good. He's really good. He's not like a huge part, but he and Penelope Cruz as Donatella are great. And yeah. um, and Darren Chris as Andrew Kinnan, and it's a huge role for him, for an yeah. actor we haven't really – we mostly think of him as singing and dancing, but yeah, yeah. Um, I think he, I think he pulled it off. He's I'm great. Excited. We yeah. we should Very watch that. We should uh, team watch that sure. as a show. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, it's very germane to okay. what you guys talk about. For Great. Sure. Oh, oh yeah. good. I yeah. should hope so. Well, then we're in. So uh, we were talking before about your favorite movies of the year. Yeah, and I'm sorry to make you repeat yourself. No, it's fine. But please, and do. this would be last year. Of 2017, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, my favorite, my I, you know, I did a top ten list for work. My number one was Beats Per Minute BPM. Still haven't seen it. Uh, it's really great. It's um, uh, it won the best foreign language film thing at the New York Film Critics Circle, which I'm a part of, and I got to write the little thing about that movie in the, in our program at the award show. And uh, what I what I wrote about was that like I had an uncle who died of AIDS when I was like two years old in the 80s, and and um, and I. Because I didn't know him, I sort of, when I was a teenager and was kind of realizing my own sexuality, I, like, devoured, like, you know, Tony Kushner and Nikki Silver and all these plays and books about the American AIDS experience and that that whole situation, but never really thought about what was happening outside of America. Yeah, and so right. this is a really interesting window into what it was like in Paris in, in the, the early 90s. So I think it's just a beautiful movie. It's sexy. They, they really don't shy away from sex at all. And, you know, in stories about people who are sick that you don't really see that very often. Yeah. And so I think it does a, a great job of that. So I was really into that. Um, I know you guys hate Call Me By Your Name, but I liked it. That's yeah, true. Yeah, yeah it's a yeah. very controversial around here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. God. <laughs> that fucking piece of shit. <laughs> so unsexy and tiresome. Uh, yeah, that's a wonderful movie. Um, I saw it almost a year ago. Uh, I saw it at Sundance yeah. uh, early in, in 2017. And the at Sundance last year um, – the second day of the festival was the inauguration. Mm-hmm. And so everyone was just in this like insane mood and uh, it was crazy snowing every day. And so just to go into the dark and watch that warm, yeah. beautiful yeah. movie for two hours was just like exactly what I needed. At to that sit time. by the fireplace that is that. Oh, I just wanted to stay. And, yeah. Although it pissed me off. And this is something that a lot of festival audiences do. Like they have to go to another screening or a party or whatever. So they'll get up like and right, right, you know, right when the movie's over and just, you know, leave. Yeah. And they were doing that during the ending credits. And I was like, guys, the movie is still happening there is so much acting still happening and yeah. they, it really made me mad people but. do that in screenings 
Yeah. Now. Yeah. And it's just like clearly the movie is still happening. Absolutely. I think there needs to be – they need to tell uh, theaters when to bring the lights up. Because yeah, they yeah. like at the arc light, I don't know what they're doing now, but the first weekend they brought it up as soon as the credits started going, right. and people just instinctively got up out of their seats and went, and it was yeah, it was the same way. It's like it's, it's infuriating. They yeah. don't leave if it's a Marvel movie because they think they're going to get that uh, scene yeah, at the end of it exactly that ties into the universe and yeah. Right. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you do, and in this one you have to stick around because Samuel L. Jackson comes in mm-hmm. as, uh, as Nick Cave or whoever he is in the event, <laughs> mm-hmm. and he brings uh, young Timothy Chalamet into the Avengers. Yeah. Spoiler, with spoiler, yeah. spoiler, yeah, yeah. 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 and that whole scene is at the Abbey in LA. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Which is great. That's beautiful. Um, but another movie I, I really like that I think is topical to you guys, um, that it was a tiny movie called Princess Sid. Do you either know that no. movie? So it's by this filmmaker named Stephen Cohn who made a movie called Henry Gamble's Birthday Party a few years ago. Uh-huh. He's a, from a Christian background, but also a gay guy. And so he makes movies that kind of deal with both of those things. Oh, yeah. um, but this is a movie that kind of coming of age, a girl goes to stay with her aunt and sort of realizes that she might be gay and her aunt has her own journey of exploration and discovery. Uh, it's really tiny, beautiful little, you know, tribute to Chicago in the summer. And um, anyway, people should seek it out. Princess Sid, CYD. It's okay. really, really great. Great. I mean, so, so many of these things come onto my radar, like solely because of you. So you do, you, you wield some real power in terms of people's awareness of these smaller movies and stuff. And, um, and a big part of it is because how, how beautifully you write criticism, which I was thinking of you because somebody t- I can't remember who tweeted recently like hey it was like um it was like hey did you know that just because you're a gay man you're not a film critic mm-hmm. like that was a new idea <laughs> yeah. to a yeah. lot of us which yeah. is true I mean because we do all sort of fancy ourselves that but that's because but but you know very few people can do it as an actual art form and you're one of the few Oh well thank you I mean I you know I didn't come to this line of work on purpose, like I, I moved to New York like 12 years ago to do theater and then randomly ended up with a writing job at Gawker and then got sick of doing the kind of bloggy thing. And I was right. like, can I try writing a review? And then I, I did it. But, you know, and I think that right now there's still a lot of talk about like, uh, you know, does criticism matter? You know, if you if people are just looking at a Rotten Tomato score or a Metacritic score, yeah. or is anyone actually reading the, 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 the text of the reviews? Um, but I think that the one major uh, you know, benefit of my job or, or, or the one thing that I actually can do is highlight those small movies. And yeah. I think that like criticism as advocacy in a way, like I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm really, I don't like to tell people not to see a movie, even if I hated justice league, like go see it for yourself, like make that assessment yeah. on your own. But like, I really will champion, I will, you know, urge people to see something. Mm-hmm. And I think that that little bit of power, um, I think can help. I don't know. You know, maybe I'm just selling two tickets to it, but, but like, you're using still, your platform. Important. Yeah, I hope so. You know, um, and obviously, like, it's fun to like trash a movie or whatever, but yeah. like, it's 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 it unexpectedly because I was sort of steeped in the Gawker like negativity as my first writing career. It's it's surprising to me how much more fun it is to really like something. Yeah, right. Yeah. But you moved well, to New York to do theater as an actor. Oh no 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 no! I gave up acting in college um, when I was a senior. I was cast in one of my second play that I was in in, in school, and I played a um, gay former street hustler whose late older partner was dying of a mysterious illness uh, at a hospice. <laughs> and normally, when I would would do a play, my parents afterward would be like, "You were great," or what? You know, they would actually have something to say. And at the, after that, they were like, "Hmm." Uh, that was the lighting was interesting, you know. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I'm not going to act. But no, I moved to New York to do playwriting and to um, work behind the scenes. I got a job selling tickets to Broadway shows and 
Uh, but just quickly realized that theater, you know, while a big business in New York is not, it's really hard to make a living. Sure. I mean, writing is not much easier, yeah. but yeah. But was there a first, was there like a, a movie or a TV show or a band or something when you were growing up that only you loved that you like beat the drum for? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think I was... I, I was early on the Magnolia soundtrack mm-hmm. amongst my friends. I was like, sure. guys, there's this crazy movie with this, yeah. this lady named Amy Mann. And people were kind of like, I, I, like, you know, everyone else was listening to whatever was top 40 at the time. And, yeah. and so that I, that was a really big soundtrack. I just um, revisited it recently. It's so good. It's so good. It's so Wise good. Up is like yeah. devastating. It just screened. Um, they just screened it at Metrograph in New York. And I missed it because I'm out in L.A. But like, I really want to see that movie again on the big screen because that wise up moment when they all sort of sing. I mean, it's completely crazy. I don't think Paul Thomas Anderson would ever do anything like that now. But man, at, the, at that time, I think I was like 17. Uh-huh. Oh, that was good. I also was like the big throwback guy. Like I was introducing friends to Joni Mitchell and sure. infuriating my mother because I was like, have you heard of this lady? And she's like, <laughs> yes, I have. I know her. But um, yeah, I was just a big like sit alone in my room, listen to sad music. Um, uh, Dolores O'Riordan just passed away. And um, yeah. the, the Linger, the Cranberry song, was like the soundtrack of an entire year of my life. Yeah, so, sure. Yeah. I would imagine. Yeah. Um, but movies wise, I think I, 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 I was, I was a, 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 a repeat viewer of a lot of things like Days and Confused, Empire Records, uh-huh. um, Reality Bites to some extent. Like mm. I would just kind of just really go deep on those things. And just sure. like, I, I think there was a year where my sister and I watched Clueless every day after school, yeah. like, or at least some portion of it. Um, and I could recite it from memory at, at that time. That's beautiful. Reality Bites is one that I still like look back on like because I remember seeing it as a teenager being like that's going to be me like I'm going to I'm going to fashion my personality and lifestyle around these people and but they, they were always older to me and it's it's jarring now to realize how they were like older. 22 <laughs> yeah so they were so crazy. young it t- and I didn't realize until I was a full adult that that movie takes place in Houston uh-huh. I thought it was Los Angeles I was just like yeah. I was like what movie takes place in Houston but that one does that yeah. one yeah. absolutely does we should also talk about books because oh. yes me I have a copy of your YA novel All We Can Do Is Cry oh I'm sorry oh. All We Can Do Is Wait <laughs> but All I Could Do Is Cry reading yeah, it I mean this is beautiful oh, this glad. is a true Tearjerker. Thank you. So, w- talk us through the journey of of go, you know r- from going from like writing film criticism to this book. So the book is a, it, it kind of the origin story for it is is sort of well not it's not strange for YA for young adult fiction but it's strange to me anyway is that like I was approached by the publisher or by the editor uh, oh, wow. uh, with this kind of vague idea she was like I want to do this book where like teens meet at a hospital after something and they yeah, like yeah. grow and learn or whatever and I kind of liked the idea so I went and wrote a sample for her and then they liked the sample and then we worked on an outline and then I went off to write it for like four months and so it had, it had I had a lot of help in the beginning I would say like my my agent calls it my training wheels novel uh-huh. um, and uh, but yeah I mean a lot of it is me I mean it, I, it's set in Boston where I'm from and um, there are some characters in there who are versions of me or or, or friends I knew yeah. Um but it was a it was a kind of uh, miserable process, like just not. I basically like quit life for four months. Like I, I you know, I, I wasn't going out, wasn't drinking, wasn't doing anything. I would just go to work Monday to Friday, get home yep. Friday, go to bed, wake up Saturday morning, and work on the book every weekend for however many months. But in the end, it's been rewarding. I would, the, the process of it was kind of miserable, but um, I'm happy with the, the finished product. And so. were YA novels a big thing for you growing up? A few, yeah. Um, like Perks of Being a Wallflower was was one. Um, I read 
I think, all of Judy Bloom's oeuvre. Oh, nice. um, Summer Sisters, which is a later one of hers. I, like, I really, really liked that book. Um, but there wasn't a lot of gay stuff, Yeah, you know, in the 90s. Um, there's so much of it now. Like, you almost kind of have to have a gay character in a YA novel now, I feel oh, yeah. like. Or some, you know, version of uh, a queer person. Um so that was really important to me that I wanted to make one of the, the characters in the book uh, gay, um, and he is very much well. A friend of a friend of mine read it, and he was like, "It was so funny reading your fantasy high school experience, like this romance <laughs> on the, in the you know on the Cape in Cape Cod yeah. in the summer, like which I you know I didn't did not live that, but like certainly." Uh, at, at first, I was like, I took offense to that. I was like, it's not my fantasy. And then the more I thought about it, I was like, yeah, it kind of is. Yeah. But that was cathartic to write. Yeah, of course. You know, get that sort of little, that childhood wish out of, you know, out of myself and right. put it onto the page. And, and you, make it real. You're probably the wrong generation for the R.L. Steins and the Christopher Mm-mm. Pikes. Of, no? Oh, no, no. No, I loved Fear oh, Street and Christopher love. Pike. Christopher Pike was great because unlike Fear Street, which I think was geared a little bit younger, yeah. like Christopher Pike, they like did drugs and had sex. Yeah. And like, it was really exciting. There was one called... Last act, I think, where a girl's in a play and she's supposed to shoot a ca- uh, one of the other actors, like with a with a blank, but uh-huh. it's a real bullet. Oh yes, I remember. Yeah, this. and then it goes like there's this whole like sordid backstory for why the murder happened. And oh, I love those books. Yeah. Do you remember the Midnight Club? Oh yeah, the yeah. Midnight Club yeah. was a big one for me. That's the one where they're in a hospice, right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, that someone needs to do a movie of the Midnight Club. There, I have yeah. no idea what either of you are talking about, and I haven't what? for about three minutes. <laughs> what are you talking okay, about? Okay, Christopher Pike uh, wrote uh, the, you know, YA novels, and he was it was uh, sort of presented as like the thinking man's R.L. Stein almost. Because yeah. R.L. Stein wrote the Fear Street series. Uh-huh. Uh, Sill is doing Teen like, Slasher hey, stuff. Okay. Yeah. Goose, Goosebumps? Goosebumps is R.L. Yeah. Stein. Okay. Yeah. And that is after me. Yes. That's all after me. Or yeah. maybe, yeah, no, it's after me. I mean, uh, don't get me wrong. I was too old to be reading these books at the time I was reading them. Okay. But um, The Midnight Club is one of Christopher Pike's best books because it's about um, a group of teens that are all in hospice. It's like a hospice for teens, I think. I don't know if that okay. actually yeah, exists. Yeah, teen hospice, you know. Yeah, that, thing, that thing that exists. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they get together every night at midnight and just tell each other stories. But then you get the actual stories. So it, I've always thought it's primed for a movie. Oh, I agree. I think or the whole catalog. edition Netflix series, perhaps. Yes. Yeah. A sort of spiritual, not sequel, but sort of related to 13 Reasons Why, maybe. Gotcha. Yeah, teen, teen death. Let's get to work. Yeah. Um, should we take a break and then come back and talk about your love line? Yeah. If we must, yes. Let's do this. Okay, Throwing Shade on Earwolf, we know, is just the greatest podcast ever. Remind me what that is. Oh, it's Aaron Gibson. It's Brian Safi. They talk mm. about things of interest to women, uh, uh, things of interest to the LGBTQ community. They, <laughs> they, they're hilarious. They, they play off each other so beautifully. They make me laugh harder than just about anybody on the planet. They're, they're the Consistently. loves of our lives. Yeah. They're, they're kind of the uh, a sister show to us. I would say our, our smarter sister. I don't want to uh, say older sure. sister, but I don't want to age them up. Up, but yeah. they are they are getting up there for sure. But if they're like Angela Chase, 
Mm. We're the other one. We're the Danielle. We're the, the Danielle. One. Yeah. yeah. Who like barely makes an appearance. They have a brand new bonus show exclusively on Stitcher Premium. It's called Throwing Shade, A Deeper Shade of Shade. Oh, how about that name, by the way? Just take a moment for A Deeper Shade of Shade. Mm, let it wash over you. <laughs> In each episode, Brian and Aaron put a twist on artistic starter cards from 1975 by asking hard-hitting questions like, would you clone yourself and can you name a real housewife? Uh, the first bonus episode has, I mean, the only person you would turn to to be your first guest, Paul F. Tompkins. I've heard of him too. God almighty, that he's one of my heroes and that's not a joke. None of this is a joke. No. It's all very serious indeed. They get deep. They talk about being interrupted during a dance. They talk about Popeye's anatomy. They talk inflatable snakes. Guys, listen to Throwing Shade, A Deeper Shade of Shade, exclusively on Stitcher Premium. You can get a free month of Stitcher Premium if you go to stitcherpremium.com slash shade and use promo code Homophilia. That is stitcherpremium.com slash shade and code homophilia for a free month of Stitcher Premium. Folks, we are back with Richard Lawson. How are you feeling, Richard? I'm good. I'm good. Are Are you tense at all? Um, I'm a little tense because I had a diet Coke before we started recording and gotcha. I never drink caffeine. And so I'm a little wired, but no, I'm, 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 it's a good energy in the room. Great. Great. So I feel good. Let's Great. use it. Yeah. What yeah. is your current relationship status? Single. Yeah. Single. Perpetually single. Yeah. Um, I'm dating. I'm using the apps, some of them. Sure. Um, but, uh, I'm taking a little time off when we're recording. It's, you know, like I'm out here, I'm going to Sundance. I have this book coming out yeah. and I just feel like it's just too, I can't start anything. Although I say that, and I've just been on two really good dates with a guy who we've been texting a lot and I actually Aww. sent him a selfie, which I never do. Whoa. Uh, uh, clothes, See, a clothes selfie, but this yeah. feels this real. Was in New York yeah. meetup. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 He's, he's, he's a New Yorker and, and, uh, we, we know each other through an app, but also through we have mutual friends, so it feels kind of half organic and half. You so know, this was not a hookup that evolved into dating. This was a just we just went on a date. Yeah, wow. Yeah. I mean, I'm probably jinxing it now. And when this airs, it'll like there'll be some horrible breakup no. story. But yeah, no, 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 no. no yeah. Don't even put that energy yeah. out into the world. Yeah. Who was the pursuer? Um, I think I messaged him first and was like, I listened to you on that podcast. You were great. Oh yeah, and then has he been on this podcast? No, he's on another Earwolf podcast. He was on another Earwolf podcast. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm dating Paul F. Tompkins. Okay, great. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You look cute. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, so you're not going to say who it is. We're just going to have to guess. Yeah, I'll air. tell you off air. Okay. Yeah. Oh boy. Um, well, I'm excited for that relationship to grow and for you to be, you know, like the first sort of Earwolf uh, marriage. <laughs> well, mm-hmm. Let's let's hope. Let's hope. Yeah. So, what's your what? When did you begin dating? Um, well, I came out when I was 16, okay. um, and, uh, immediately became infatuated with a boy I was in a play with at school and that did not go anywhere. He didn't come out until he was in college. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I was, I was there, I was like in, I was, I was known, I was like one of two out gay kids in my class. And was that um, okay. fine? Was it cool with your, your friends, family, everybody? Uh, um, yeah, it was fine. I yeah. mean, I think that I, I went to a big public high school in Boston, um, that was despite a lot of sort of Irish Catholic shit was actually pretty progressive. And, um, you know, I wasn't like, I wasn't like active, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't capital O out, but I was just sort of one of the gay kids at at school. What Um, year are we talking? I don't want to, this was 1999, I guess it must've been. Um, and yeah, so, so I was doing theater and I, um, we would compete in the Massachusetts high school drama guild and you would basically take a one act play 
and perform it at another school with a bunch of other schools and then you you know move on in the competition and anyway at, at one of these things um, there was a boy who was in a, a, one of the best things that we saw there and he was the lead and he was great and we met in the hallway at this random high school and I think exchanged AOL screen names sure um, and then we're flag. like chatting and, and then we like made a plan to go to Harvard Square in Cambridge, uh, and we went to Other Music, which is a record store, and sure. I bought a Bell and Sebastian CD. Nice. And then we went to – oh, I, I suggested we go get Indian food, which I'd never had before, but it seemed like kind of sophisticated. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So we went. I got terrible food poisoning that uh-huh. night of course you uh, after the date, thankfully. Um, and then only like a, two years later did I, was I like, oh, wait, that was a date. Like that was a full like we were like two gay kids who like liked each other and uh-huh. wanted to hang out. We never really hung out after that, but mm-hmm. but yeah, that was my first date. And I actually wrote something a few years ago on my Tumblr page, uh, a, like a little essay about this experience. And someone who followed me was like, "You're talking about this guy. I know him. I went to high school with him. Put us in touch." He read the thing and was like, "Oh, thank you for writing that. That was really nice." And yeah, well, oh. that was it. You, you didn't meet again. Um, I think we might next time I'm in Boston, maybe. Um, I have to kind of like check back in with him, but yeah. Now I'm rooting for this. And now he's just like There's beautiful, so like theater artist in Boston. Like he's really, he's okay. grown up we well. Gotta, we had to dump the podcast <laughs> yeah, guy. Yeah, we'll yeah, move yeah. on to him. Yeah. We'll move or on. both. Yeah, I mean, yeah, come yeah. on. It's the 90s. Yeah, listen. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we, we'll queer it up. Mm-hmm, you can have uh, mm-hmm. a couple things going at the same time. Yeah, why, why not? not? Why not? How were your parents with, uh, with you being out in high school? Um, I didn't really ever talk to my dad about it uh, ex- expressly, um, but I had this infatuation with this boy in high school, and I was already sort of a truant kid. I, I cut class a lot, and um, but I was really cutting class a lot and, and skipping school entirely because I just didn't want to be around him because it made me sad. Um, and so I, my grades were suffering, and so I kind of had to tell my wow. mom what was going on because she'd noticed that I was acting differently. And, um, and so I sat her down, and I was like, I think I might be gay. And um, and she, you know, her, her brother had, had had died of AIDS, and, and his partner and all their friends uh, in the eighties, and and so she, I think there was some of that stigma for her, but sure. um, but no, she was fine with it, and um, you know, it just was never. Um, I, I would say the only person who made it a tortured experience was me. Yeah. yeah, I just kind of went full drama into the whole thing, um, and 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 made it much bigger deal internally than I needed to because everyone around me was like, "All right," I mean, it was not on. It was it was obvious. I mean, it was clearly like I wasn't. It was not a surprise to anybody. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, I, and so I didn't really like date or hook up much until I got to college, and then was with a lot of like gay theater boys and that. Sure. You know, obviously, opportunities were presented there. Sure. Absolutely. I, what I'm getting at, though, is were there would there have been like dating rules? Oh, I see what you mean. Um, you know, I don't. I honestly think that my mom, in particular, like n- n- saw that I was not that was not going to be an issue. Mm. You know, like I I knew that okay. I was this thing because I loved Rent and like the, yeah. the musical and mm-hmm. uh-huh. and uh, but like as a it, I was sort of more gay as concept rather than practice, you know? Like, so I, I think yeah. she knew I wasn't going to be like going out with boys sure. or, or like staying out later or right. having them sleep over or anything like that. Yeah. yeah. That, I wish that I had been that kid, but I think that like kids are that way now probably, but even just 20 years ago, it just didn't feel like you came out, but then like the dating part of that just came in some like indefinite future point. Right. So when was first relationship? Um, still waiting on it, honestly. Really? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've dated guys for like a couple months, but like nothing serious. Yeah, it's this is kind of a recurring theme on the show, and it is especially with like really uh, smart, cool gay guys who came out on the early side, and it's interest and are like a little bit younger. I think there's maybe less. 
of a premium on the relationship thing. And there's, we just sort of seem to have like allowed yourselves more time to figure that out. Yeah. I think that's part of it. I mean, there's, there's something I talk about in therapy is that I kind of sometimes feel like I came out too early. Like oh, I should have, I should have waited. And you guys had um, the film director, the Irish, uh, yeah, John Butler, John Butler, who kind of said a similar thing, uh, where I just like I wasn't quite. I was ready to say that I was gay, but I was not ready to actually act on it. Yeah. And then I got to college, and there were all these theater kids who were closeted, and I was like, oh, like you know, kind of chip on my shoulder, rolling my eyes at them. Right. But then they kind of came out in, at school, and and in you know, in tandem with like starting to date somebody or hooking up with somebody. And I was just sort of on the outside kind of observing in this kind of snooty way. Right. Whereas I, I wish I had had that more sort of holistic experience with coming out. But um, yeah, so I think that that's part of why I haven't really dated is because I or, – or have been in long-term relationships is because I uh, I never – I have I'm still kind of learning how to like marry the identity with the, with the yeah. actual existence of it, you know. I don't know if that makes sense. You no, know, it makes this. a lot of sense. And so ha- have you have you dated pretty consistently over the years or um no, I'm I I I had a long sort of in my 20s which is tragic now that I look back at it. I had a I I I did not date really much at all. Um here and there little things, but I was really hung up on it's kind of a recurring theme. I was really hung up on a guy who um was kind of like playing around with me for many years and uh, every time I would like meet somebody new um, this other guy would kind of re-enter the picture and and, um, yeah so I have regrets about that but like now I'm in my mid 30s and I'm I'm much more active with it and just trying to figure it out and and liking it you know I mean it's hard but it's um, like I hate the app so much I I deleted Tinder from my phone and I I have a new one called Chappie I don't know if you guys they're a sponsor oh they're a sponsor oh excellent that was seamless yeah Um, I'll I'll get my check later (laughs) absolutely yeah yeah, I like Chappie it's a lot more friendly um, but I don't do like Grindr I have Grindr and Scruff on my phone but they're more sort of like talismans like i'm like i have it like just in case like i'm connected to the gay community but i don't use yeah. it but i just know it's there mm-hmm. well i want to go back to the guy that you were hung up on in mm-hmm. your 20s yeah what what did that 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 look like that like cat and mouse thing um i he, i mean look, i i bear him no ill will he's a really smart great guy but like you know we, and we just had like great we met through sort of weird circumstances having to do with my time at cocker and um he was just he's really smart and really funny. We had great conversations, and we would hook up once in a while. And I was really hung up on him. But I think also it would be easy for me to sort of frame it as like him being a jerk and stringing me along. But I was stringing myself along. Like I knew right, right, he right. stated plainly plenty of times that like this isn't going to be a thing. But for, it was it was a lot easier to just be hung up on this kind of unobtainable thing yeah. rather than going after something that was real. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is something a pattern in my life that I'm trying to break. Also a theme um, on this show, big yeah. time. You know, and do it's you think, safer? Yes, it's so much safer. You know, you know yeah. what you're going to get every right. single right. time. It's why I feel like a lot of um, closeted gay boys in like high school or college, they have a crush on like the prettiest most unobtainably popular girl because mm-hmm. that's so safe because it would never actually right, happen right. and you couldn't so i think it's a, it's a version of that yeah right um and do you think that you were looking back in love with him i mean were, were, the, were the feelings real or was it just about the the unavailability yeah i think there were i think there were aspects of him that i was in love with yeah yeah um but uh i i think that in my understanding of it is like that real love doesn't have those kind of 
compromises or those kind yeah. of qualifications. And so I don't know what it was, but it was definitely real and intense and, um, and, uh, not something I regret exactly, but something I would now play, play very differently yeah. if I could. And sometimes real love doesn't come with that much drama, right. which can be disappointing if you're seeking that out or you think that that's what it looks like. Yeah. Yeah. And these things can be oddly satisfying. Mm-hmm. You know what yeah. I mean? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, it's not, you're not getting nothing from yeah. the experience. What's you know? that, that that French the Delore exquisite or whatever? Yeah. It's just that it's that it's that pretty pain. I mean, it's it's yeah. like, um, and and it, you know, as a writer, pretentiously, like it gave me a lot of fucking fodder for, for that sure. stuff. I yeah. mean, there are many poems and bad you know blog entries about about you know unrequited love or whatever. Sure. Um, so it's fuel for that. But uh, I think I'm coming to a place now through lots of therapy and lots of thinking um, where I realize that like. The tortured part of tortured artist is sort of bullshit, and you can be happy and fulfilled and still be a creative, interesting person. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you don't you don't need to seek out that kind of um, you know trauma. I guess exactly. Let's but let's wallow for a moment. Mm. What, let, when you're really hung up on somebody, yeah. What and and you've got a night at home alone. Mm. What does it look like? Are there oh. movies? Are there is there music yeah. that you gravitate toward? Um, there's Do you create some music. Uh, there's. Probably a lot of cigarettes, to be honest. Um, And it's, I mean, fucking, I need to quit Instagram. I need to, like, throw Facebook into the ocean. Like, I, I, Instagram is really bad for me. Why? Uh, Because I just will click on one guy. If if it's an object of my affection, I'll, like, look at his page, sometimes accidentally like something from, like, two years ago. Sure. Which is a nightmare. Um, But then they'll tag, like, a friend or someone I think they're dating, and then I'll go in that rabbit hole, and then further and deeper and deeper and deeper until I'm, like, like one of their old ones, and you're just. Until I'm looking at, like, photos from Fire Island Pines from three years ago. (laughs) Yeah. being like you know at home alone you know so that's that's bad i mean it it i, I i've i'm fortunate enough now that like it that that has not happened to me in a few years like this uh-huh. the, this thing from my 20s is like significantly over um and i have caught myself recently starting to do that with somebody and i'm like nope do not do it like okay, good. either that's contextualize great. them as a friend or just like don't 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 like deal with them at all. You know, it's growth. Um, it is. I feel it really does feel like it is. Um, I still have a lot still to unpack, but um, but in that measure, at least, I think I've I've grown up a little bit. And do you have you know relationship goals um, or you know it, yeah. do you want to be in a long term? I want someone to bring to a fucking wedding. That's what I want. Mm, okay. I have been to too many weddings by myself. I have to go to one in Alaska by myself uh, next summer. Which uh, it's a very dear friend, so I'm happy to go. But um, no, I, I, that's that's the sort of you know shallow practical side of it. But yeah, I, th- I do. I do. I, yeah. I think um, it, it, I, I'm very much. Uh, it's important to me that I maintain my autonomy in my own life, and I really don't see myself becoming somebody who is uh, hopefully be defined by their relationship. And I know certain couples that kind of act like that and it's good mm-hmm. for them. It works for them. But I think that That's I would literally the only thing I have going for me, <laughs> which I'm comfortable with. I, I have this kind of fantasy of being in a committed relationship with an interesting guy, but we have our own place, like our own apartments, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, and, and our own lives. And then like when we're together, it's great. Kind of like what your past guest, Brian Moylan has with his boyfriend, um, whose yeah. name I won't say, but yeah. um, they have a very, I think grown up, sort of cosmopolitan relationship. Sure. And and maybe that it, it would come to bear like later that we'd want to change that. Yeah. But, but I think, you know, in all the kind of yearning I've done in, um, in my twenties and now thirties, uh, like, and feeling lonely and like, I want to be in a relationship. I also have on the other side of things really 
become a pretty independent person. And, and I, and I, I've, I'm recently realizing how much I value that. And, and you'll be so much it. better at it when you do do it than those of us who tried to do it when we were 21 and 22, yeah. you know? Yeah. I mean, so I, I, I wish that I'd had some, some of that experience, I guess, but yeah. like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, that's my hope. Um, I think that like anyone who da- dares to settle down with me will have to deal with a lot of like Bambi leg shit where I'm just like, wait, what are we doing? But yeah. um, maybe that'll be part of the fun. What is it that you look for? Like, what are, what are the, what are the top, what are your turn ons? Um, Let's do your centerfold. What are your turn-ons? <laughs> this sounds pretentious, but like I need—I mean, like a, like a good conversationalist, like and someone who uh, just can kind of is fast and witty, and and uh, you know, I I have a very um, I don't know, I, I sort of a wordy brain, and 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 you know, which I you know I really enjoy in somebody else, and it's harder to find. It's not that like I've dated dumb people or anything like that, but yeah. like some people just like operate at a different speed than I do, mm-hmm. and I increasingly have realized that like oh I need someone who's kind of at that wavelength. So that's like a big first thing. If on a first date like we the conversation is just like snappy and quick and like that's really great. Um, and then beyond that, I would say uh, a certain. I don't know, like rumpled, kind of nerdy, cute, like that. Like I, I would, years ago, I was thinking about going to grad school for playwriting, and a part of that fantasy was that I would meet like a young professor. My dad is sure. a college professor or uh-huh. was a college professor, so like that's there's clearly some sort of Freudian thing there. Yeah. Um, but um, and and luckily those are not hard to come by in New York, but uh, a lot of them are in relationships. Sure. Now that we're in our thirties, and you realized you didn't have to fully enroll in grad school to find them. You can. Just, I did not have to spend two hundred thousand yeah, dollars yeah, to get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, they're around. They're I'm seeing there. Tweed. I'm seeing mm-hmm. Frayed. Yeah. Like it would always be Autumn in sure. in whatever relationship I'm going to oh. be in. You know. Yeah, oh, you're speaking my language. <laughs> yeah. Jogging the West Village in a fleece. Oh yeah. Yeah, we're walking. No, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. That's where we differ. Yeah. yeah. What about celebrity crushes? Oh, um, so many. Um, I I do a podcast at work uh, called Little Gold Men where we talk to well, we talk about award season and movies and stuff like yeah. that. But we sometimes have guests in. And last year, I guess it was uh, Andrew Garfield came in to oh talk my. about Silence and uh, the Mel Gibson movie. Um, and oh my god, like I just fell in love with him. And I mean, I already liked him, but he was so nice and so smart. He's kind of what I'm talking. He's like the ideal, yeah. like the platonic nerdy Richard Lawson boy. Yeah. Um, and he at that time was, I think, about to start rehearsals for Angels in America, which was in London and is now coming to New York. Um, and at, when we were done recording, I had mentioned on air that I was like, "Well, I'm hoping to go see the show." And and after we recorded, he was like. Well, if you do come, please do. Please come to the show, and if you do, let me know, and we'll get a drink afterward. And I just, I'm, I've got my ghost now. I died that day. Yeah, uh, I didn't end up happening because I couldn't figure out how to get in touch with him, and I couldn't get tickets. But like, yeah, he was Andrew a Garfield. If you're yeah. listening, yeah, it's never yeah. too late. Um, <laughs> By the way, I uh, I just want to interject yeah. that the hottest gay club in town is the likes on anything Russell Tovey posts on Instagram. Oh yeah, like anything yeah. that he posts, it's yeah. like yeah, all of my gay friends They're have all liked it, there. and it's like. And they all have different types, and yet yeah. we all converge. He is the great unifier. Yeah. Yeah. He truly yeah. is. I, I, from a distance, was sort of annoyed by that. And then I've I've met him a couple times. And up close, I was like, oh, I totally get it. Yeah. Like, yeah. he is just the whole He's package. Lovely. I don't yeah. follow. I, 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 I resent the expectation that I'm yeah. just going to think he's hot. And, of course, I do. Yeah. But I, I, I yeah. try to resist. 
Um, and he was really good in that Angels in America. I saw the, yeah. the, the, the simulcast that they okay. did in like, movie theaters. Right. Um, Thank you. Who else? I'm trying to have more crushes on like out gay celebrities and not like yeah. straight guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I feel like that's such a high schooly thing. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I'm still pining after like 1995 or Leonardo DiCaprio. I think I always will be. But, um, but maybe this is shallow, but there's a figure skater who's going to be in the Olympics called mm-hmm. Adam Rippon. Yep. I've who been hearing this name. Beautiful. And like age appropriate. He's like late twenties. Um, uh, he's really gorgeous and like very much out. And so, and he, I think he's the first gay out gay athlete that they're, we're sending to the Olympics. Yeah. Cause Johnny Weir was well, not out when he, no. oh. well, Gus Kenworthy, I guess. Who wasn't out Same when way. he was at those Olympics. Oh, yeah, he'll oh, be this not. year. Okay, I guess. yeah, yeah. First out gay figure skater, which is yeah, really which is surprising. wild considering. Um, so yeah, he's cute, and um, oh, you know who I'm in love with is um, Mike Hadrius, perfume genius. Oh yeah, he's beautiful and so talented, and like has that like sadness of soul that I like really relate to. <laughs> but he seems, but on Twitter, he's really funny, and yeah. like you know, I just he seems really cool. So I'm glad that we're at a point now. Um, as an older person, I do have some resentment for like Troy Sivan because he's this like young, beautiful, yeah. twinky pop star now. But at the same time, I'm like, how cool would it be to be a 17 year old gay kid now and like have this celebrity who's out and beautiful yeah. and like like imagine if 1995 early Leonardo DiCaprio was like an out gay guy? Yeah, <laughs> like that would be crazy and, and so- sexual. He you know, like, yeah, the video yeah. is mm-hmm. like it's yeah. queer yeah. and sexual. Yeah, and great. Like he does know? it, and I think that you know, as much as I might resent that in some sort of you know, oh, I'm like old and whatever. Mm-hmm. Great, good. It, I'm glad happening. that exists. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, what about childhood crushes? So my sister, I have a sister who's 18 months older than me, so we're really close in age, and also just very close uh, as siblings, and. Um, I, so I think I, I inherited all of her crushes. You know, mm-hmm. so like it was like Nick Carter, Backstreet Boys. Sure, um, right. There, there is a – my sister had a, 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 a videotape that was like some backstage interviews and then several videos of like InSync's early music videos, like tearing up my heart. Sure. And there was a – this is probably TMI, but there was a uh, one shot in that tearing up my heart video where Justin Timberlake is in like a tank top – lying on a bed with his one arm behind his head and there's uh-huh. like a little pitch, you know armpit hair that 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 part of the videotape was like fuzzy because I'd paused it so many times. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we can infer from that what we will. <laughs> yeah. Um so that was a big one. Um but it's it, 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 later in life I realized like all of these intense feelings I had for like Jonathan Jackson's character in Camp Nowhere wasn't just that I liked the character, it was that I had a crush on him. I just didn't mm-hmm. know what that mm-hmm. was. Mm-hmm. Um, there was one recently. Oh, um, the, 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 the boy in, the older brother in uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Oh, <laughs> he, wow, Russell, I think cuts. his name was. Yes, I can't he was really space. cute. Um, Zach Morris, obviously. Um, sure. I, had, I had so many. I mean, yeah. like I, I now realize that a lot of stuff I really devoured as a kid was because there was a boy in it that I thought was cute. Of course. You know, which I think is natural, but I just didn't know it at the time. You just reminded me that I went on a date with a guy in from like OKCupid okay like ten years ago or something, and uh, what? And he was the most mild mannered. I'd never dated anybody like this where it was like I'm gonna date this nice nerdy guy that I'm not super attracted to. Doesn't uh, not not a ton yeah. of like sexual energy coming from him, but so nice. And uh, we went like had had one drink one time and then. Went on a second date and he wanted to go to a rock climbing gym. I was like, "Oh, this is this is like a, a, a real date and something that I would normally never do." Went back to his place afterward and st- 
started to kiss and stuff, and he went straight for the armpit so aggressively. It was like he had a fetish that was so uncontrollable. He couldn't even wait until it was the right moment to reveal it. Yeah. And it was also like, oh, of course you wanted to go rock climbing first because you wanted yeah. to sweat and everything. Oh. Ripen you up. Yeah, but <laughs> he it was, was also grooming like, you. <laughs> it was like, I hate to tell you, yeah. but I use like a, ve- a full like Alzheimer's antiperspirant and like that is not, that can't be good for you yeah. to have in your mouth and then don't try to kiss me afterward. And I, oh, Yeah, boy. I, I wrapped up. Very quickly. Wow, it's always the quiet ones. And now we're living together. Just kidding. That's not, that's not my <laughs> oh my god. Okay, I'm I'm going back. E. T. The older brother in E. T. What were your feelings about him? You know, it's not a movie that I'm that familiar with. Okay. Yeah. Right. yeah. I can't even picture his face. Um, oh, oh, um, we owned the videotape of uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, and River Phoenix is in the first playing wow. young Indiana Jones. Oh, yeah. He, he was, oh, he was big sure. for me. And I just like that movie, but. Um, You're not afraid of a more, not feminine, but a more delicate boned gentleman. It's, yeah, it's, no, I definitely, uh, like, androgyny sort of does it for mm-hmm. me a lot of the time. Um, in, in the book that I wrote, there's a, lo- a gay love interest who is kind of that. Yes. He's kind of like a little fay, like a little, you know, um, on the, the girly side, let's say. Um, yeah. And that's definitely me <laughs> processing some of my own stuff. But you and your sister yeah. <laughs> never, uh, I mean, I don't think this is a spoiler, but um, you never dated one of her friends. No, though um, her best friend, in one of her best friends in high school, who she actually dated for a little while, um, they broke up because he came out to her. Uh-huh. And I always had sort of a crush on him. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And then I ran into him years later in New York and was a little disillusioned, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> it often goes that yeah. way, right? Yeah. yeah. Richard well, Lawson, thank you so much. This was a joy. Yeah, for thanks for having me. Here. I hope I didn't, I don't know, overshare or whatever. I, I, I really am, no I'm now thing. concerned I jinxed these two dates, but like, well, there we'll is no. no such thing. Yeah, I'll, no I'll, such I'll give you guys an update when, yes, when this please. Ends. Yeah. Thank also, you, Richard. Thanks. The book, All We Can Do Is Wait, is out now. Get it. Well, Richard Lawson. Richard, Richard, Richard. Richard Lawson is the greatest. Go get his book. It is available where finer books are sold. Yes. All uh, we can go do to is a, wait. Go, yeah. Go to a physical bookstore. Ooh. Why not? Novel do idea. two good things in one. Novel idea. Oh, I said novel idea. Do you get that? Oh, I like that. That was fun wordplay. No, it's been that was long, a fun piece of business. Long night. Um, guys, follow us on Twitter. At HomophiliaPod. Join our Facebook group. It, don't, on Facebook. Don't know what that is. Um, and thank you, everybody here. Thank you, Richard Lawson, for being here. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you, Dana Wickens, and happy birthday, birthday girl. gal. Brian Connor, Ben Wise for the music. And you. You there with the headphones. Laura in your car. We yeah. love you. We do. We think you're fine just the way you are. And we'll see you next week. Hello, hello. This is an ad for my podcast, Fake the Nation, where we talk about news, we talk about politics, and where we wet our pants about electoral democracy. I am the host, Nagin Farsad, your friendly neighborhood Muslim podcaster. Every Thursday, I'm joined by a rotating cast of politically savvy pals, folks like John Lovett from Crooked Media. If Ruth Bader Ginsburg has a step-in tub, <laughs> get that thing the fuck out of her house. Because if she has to step over even a lip to bathe, it's unacceptable. <laughs> like John Fugelsang from SiriusXM. 
I have a bumper sticker that says impeach Pence first because he's <laughs> he's all the evil but half the comedy value, so he's useless <laughs> to me. And other people not named John. Every episode we break down the news, we ridicule our popular vote-losing minority president Donnie Twimp, and we do it in three tasty little segments with a cool bell at the start of each one. Yeah, like that. To hear more, just check out Fake the Nation on Stitcher or wherever you listen. New episodes drop every Thursday afternoon. This has been an Earwolf production. Executive produced by Scott Ackerman, Chris Bannon, and Colin Anderson. For more information and content, visit Earwolf.com. Hey, this is Arnie Niekamp from the Improv Fantasy Podcast, Hello from the Magic Tavern. I fell through a dimensional portal behind a Burger King in Chicago into the magical land of Foon, and I started a podcast. Season 3 has just begun with a brand new adventure to defeat the Dark Lord. If you're a new listener or you've fallen behind, Season 3 is a great jumping on point. And we've got great guests like Justin McElroy. I sound like a fancy college professor. Fake nuts. <laughs> Rachel Bloom. You all see my collection of men corpses and one woman. Felicia Day and Colton Dunn. You've seen <coughs> me have intercourse with a variety of species. It's a bummer. Andy Daly. You have the members of Genesis listed, but Phil Collins yeah. has crossed out and then circled and crossed out again. Ah, uh, yes. I have killed Phil Collins twice. Thomas Middleditch. Ah! Oh, Jesus! I mean, Jazos! <laughs> ruler of the Eighth Circle! And that's just the beginning. Season 3 of Hello from the Magic Tavern is out now. Listen in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.